Welcome back to the Agora, your favorite place to hear about the Greece of today, tomorrow, and even yesterday. I'm Nick Malkoutsis. Sitting side by virtual side with me, Phoebe Fronista. And today I'm really looking forward to this episode because it's one of those where we go back in time. Well, sort of. Yes. On this episode, we'll be looking at the latest discussions about the return of the Parthenon marbles, the ancient cultural artifacts that Greece has been trying to convince the UK to return, well, for some time now. Recent reports, including one in the Financial Times just a few days ago, have suggested that some fairly detailed talks about finding a formula for bringing the antiquities back to Athens, well, in one form or another, are taking place. As always, we'll try to put this issue in a broader context, because that's what we like to do here in the Agora. I'm glad to say that we will be joined later by the journalist that has perhaps been following this story closer than anyone else over the past few years. That's Yanis Andritopoulos, who is the London correspondent for the Greek daily newspaper Tanea. But before we speak to Yanis, here's a concise, or as concise as we could make it, look at the efforts to repatriate the marbles, or sculptures, as they're also known. If you're not too familiar with what exactly these sculptures are, let's just start with this brief summary that I happen to find on the internet. A collection of different types of marble architectural decorations from the Temple of Athena, also known as the Parthenon, on the Acropolis Hill in Athens. Made between 447 BC and 432 BC, they consist of a frieze, which shows the procession of the Panathenaic festival, the commemoration of the birthday of the goddess Athena. Interestingly enough, Nick, Mm -hmm. it was on the 15th of August. Oh, there you go. I know a lady. Special day. Special day. Mm -mm. Also, a series of metopes, which are these sculpted relief panels, depicting the battle between the centaurs and the lapiths at a marriage feast, and various other figures of the gods and legendary heroes from the temple's pediments. If you liked my scintillating summary, you should know that I stole it from the British Museum's website, which only seems fair, really, seeing as the British Museum in London houses 15 metopes, 17 pedimental figures, and 75 meters of the original frieze. How did they come by these, you ask? Well, funny story, uh, they got them after they were hacked off the standing edifice between 1801 and 1812, when Greece was then under Ottoman occupation and rule, by one Thomas Bruce, 7th Earl of Elgin. It's funny, Nick, it took him almost as long to mutilate the building as it did for Phidias to decorate it. Uh, And we should know that, just (laughs) that... that, uh... Lord Elgin, is, as you know, and he wasn't actually, uh, Greece wasn't under his occupation. He was just the one that ordered the uh, <laughs> hacking off of the uh, 
uh, bits and pieces that you so eloquently described there, uh, uh, Phoebe, and I'm so glad you did that bit rather than me. But <laughs> before we uh, cause a diplomatic uh, incident, it's probably a good point to look at the history of the campaign for the marbles return to Greece, because of course they they were they were taken, and in fact Greece has been trying to get them back ever since. And Something that I didn't find out until recently, Phoebe, is that the first official request made by Greece for the marbles return was in 1842, pretty soon after the Greek state was, uh, the modern Greek state was uh, founded. Of course, people are more familiar with the um, more contemporary campaign that has been uh, going on, and that was really launched in 1982 at a conference organized by UNESCO in Mexico by the then Greek culture minister, the late Melina Mercuri, better known as, or, or equally as well known for her uh, work in the uh, theater and on cinema. And a nice little quote here that I've pulled from uh, that day, Phoebe, and this is what uh, Melina Mercuri said. I think that the time has come for these marbles to come back to the blue sky of Attica, to their natural space, to the place where they will be a structural and functional part of a unique whole. Obviously, she delivered it much better than I ever could. But uh, I think that um, just to take, a, you know, again, putting things in context, this campaign, this modern day campaign to get the marbles back, it was driven by a few things. Firstly, the beginning of an effort in those days to save the Parthenon from the ravages of time and also the much-publicized pollution in Athens uh, at the time. The smog, which sadly at that, at that time Athens was known certainly within Europe, probably around the world for uh, no longer the, the case, uh, thankfully. Secondly, I think also you have to look at the rise of the Socialist Party, PASOK, which came to power in 1981. And thirdly, the fact that Greece joined uh, the EEC, the European Economic Community, later the European Union in 1981. And I think that the campaign to get the marbles back was very much um, a reflection of a new freer Greece after the fall of the military junta in 1974, looking to the future with greater confidence and wanting to make its mark on the world and wanting to connect with uh, its glorious past, its ancient past. Um, and also th this marked the start of the creation of committees for the marbles return around the world, including in the UK, where the marbles are currently still found. Uh, Mercury, of course, was widely loved in Greece and recognized around the world due to her film career which included landmark films like Never on Sunday, one of the uh, few films made in Greece at that time to really become a worldwide uh, hit. And she was the figurehead for this campaign, leading it with typical passion. What does Shakespeare mean to England? St. Paul's Cathedral. What does the Taj Mahal mean to India? What do the paintings the Sistine Chapel mean to Italy. The Parthenon marbles are our pride. They are our identity. They are today's link with Greek excellence. They are creations synonymous with our concepts of democracy and freedom. What a minister of culture to have. That 
that was uh, Melina Mercury very eloquently calling for the return of the marbles. Now, Phoebe, if I could say something a little bit, I don't know if it's heretic and, uh, you know, uh, some people may disagree with me and this is a completely personal opinion. We heard uh, Melina Mercury there talking about the the marbles being part of the Greek identity, our soul and so on. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't argue against that, but what I would say is that perhaps now we're talking, what, 40 years on from that. Uh, and this in by no means uh, denigrates the uh, campaign to get them back, which, of course, is a very fully justified uh, campaign. I, I'm not so sure that, you know, modern Greece, a Greece that, you know, is has been through its recent crisis, is very much looking forward, has sort of really, as we say, anchored itself within the European Union and the West and so on. Uh, needs this in order to feel that I, its identity is uh, sort of complete or is augmented in in some in some way. That doesn't mean we don't want the marbles back or they shouldn't come back. But um, I wonder sometimes if you know it's also part of this that w- we look back a lot and we overlook uh, or perhaps play down a bit our our contemporary culture, which is very rich and uh, very much reflects contemporary Greece, which is uh, an interesting, rich, and uh, vibrant uh, place. It's I don't true know, if, that we, I don't know yeah, if that no. makes sense. No, it totally makes sense because there is, you know, of course, the the, the ancients were great, but yeah, we've there's been other things that happened in the last two and a half thousand years that we should be proud of in the arts. Uh, I think it's more more the fact that it's a, it was such a blatant uh you know injustice dis- in injustice and destruction of the mm, building mm, like he mm. it wasn't that he found you know bits and pieces scattered and he gathered them on, from the ground or you know even you know the the venus de milo let's not get into that you know that mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. found a standalone statue stolen too mm-hmm. but but this was actual you know mutilation of a standing edifice and how many standing temples were there in the 1800s yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, no. By all means, I I think that uh, no no one can, no one reasonable anyway can argue against the case for the return. All I say is that I I think that you know forty years on from when this modern day campaign began, perhaps Greece is in a different place. Is 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 a little more sure footed, more. <laughs> experience more confident has a rich contemporary culture now mm-hmm. and isn't just about um the ancient world as 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 fascinating and as important as as that is that's that's just the point i want to make without causing offense to anyone i don't think you caused mm. any offense good but anyway no question melina definitely lit the spark for the modern campaign to bring the marbles home However, limited progress was made before she died in 1994. There was a new push to get the marbles back ahead of Athens hosting the 2004 Olympics, but it died in embarrassment after then-Prime Minister Kostas Simidis was recorded in a hot mic incident asking then-UK Prime Minister Tony Blair about the marbles' return on the sidelines of an EU summit in Brussels in 2003. 
The audio isn't great, but that's Simitis basically asking Blair about the marble's return in light of the upcoming Greek elections, which he lost. And the only Greek thing that came home in 2004 was one Nikolaos Malkoudzis. <laughs> a win Thank- for the nation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure quite, uh, you know, if you weigh the two up, really. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I may not have the classical good looks of a... Caryatid, uh, <laughs> Phoebe, but uh, certainly feel like a relic these days, so I don't know if that counts. <laughs> anyway, uh, for a long time, one of the arguments deployed to brush off Greece's request for the marbles was that Athens didn't possess a suitable place to house them. And we should tell maybe some of our younger listeners at the time that the there was a very small museum right next to the Parthenon on the Acropolis Hill. I mean, you'd describe it more like a porter cabin rather than a, a proper museum. It was like a co- containers, weren't they? they were made into a museum, from what I remember, very small and, um, you know, not not uh, not the kind of um, auspicious place that you might expect uh, items uh, related to that uh, era, that golden era of Athens to be displayed. But this all changed in 2009 when the new Acropolis Museum opened to the public and it uh, breathed new life into the campaign to get the marbles back. The building was designed by Swiss architect Bernard Chumi and his Greek collaborator, Michalis Fotiadis, and they won international acclaim for the design. It's a lovely place to visit. If you ever come to Athens, do, do head there, do spend some time there. Um, and it's a building that is very conscious of the marble's absence. The museum's top floor layout copies the Parthenon and the display shows where those sculptures which are housed in the British Museum would fit if they ever come back. Here's the museum's first president, Dimitris Padramalis, who died last year, explaining why the new building would provide the marbles with a suitable home. The museum is next to Acropolis and it is a visual connection between the museum and the Acropolis because the Patent Hall is on the top of the museum. It's obvious that uh, the visitors can see uh, both uh, the Parthenon and uh, the sculptures. And I think it's the best we can wish for this monument and these sculptures. Of course, the creation, the building, the opening of the new Acropolis Museum sparked a wave of sympathy for Greece's campaign to get the marbles back. And I think that we are now beginning to see the fruits of that. But as has often been the case, two steps forward were soon followed by one step back because the opening of the museum was the last project of national significance before the economic crisis struck. And for about a decade, we had bigger problems, Nick. We did, sadly. In between the various crises, there were a number of disjointed efforts, including a failed attempt at getting human rights lawyer Amal Clooney on board to build a case for the marble's return. So, little to no progress. But over the last few months, there does seem to have been some potentially encouraging activity. Last December, our guest, Tanea's London correspondent, Yanis Andritsopoulos, revealed that secret talks had been taking place between the British Museum's chair, George Osborne, and the Greek government, including Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis. 
we do also have elections that are upcoming. I don't know if that maybe <laughs> played a role in these conversations. Well, well we, we we did we did hear uh, uh, the 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 former pre- prime minister Costa Simitis referring to the elections uh, when he was talking to Tony Blair, and of course. It's it's always part of politics because you can imagine. I mean, yeah. for, for listeners outside Greece, any prime minister, any Greek prime minister who manages to bring back the Parthenon marbles, there will be avenues I, named after him. Uh, yeah, I, or I, her. May, maybe you know, but saying they'll go down as a national hero will be too much, but they will certainly be revered. It will certainly um, play well with the public, as uh, you know they say in policy circles. Yeah, no question. But anyway, these exploratory talks focused on how the antiquities could be brought back to Athens, with one unnamed Greek official claiming that 90% of the details had been settled. Mitsotakis then he played down the possibility of a full agreement being reached imminently, but he does insist that a deal is possible. And then, just a few days ago, the Financial Times published an article containing information about exactly what is being discussed. Now, the FT reports that Osborne's proposal is multifaceted, and it aims to bridge the gap between the two sides. It would apparently include a series of loan deals involving the marbles, which would gradually build up trust in some way. Now, the FT isn't the first uh, media outlet to try and outline, sketch what kind of deal is uh, being discussed. But based on what it's reporting and based on what others have reported, we're talking about a really complex arrangement and in no way the outright and straightforward return of Hmm. the artifacts. Important to underline that because that's maybe what some people have in their minds. It's something that Greece has campaigned for over the decades. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we get into the weeds of these developments and a discussion about the broader context of this story, I think it's a good time to bring in our expert, Yanis Andritsopoulos, and uh, hopefully he'll bring clarity to the discussion. Yanis, thank you very much for joining us on the Agora from London. I'd like to start off by asking you this. In December, you broke a story about the chair of the British Museum, George Osborne, holding secret talks with the Greek government officials, including the Prime Minister, about the return of the Parthenon marbles in one form or another, and we'll get into that. This sparked speculation that a deal was imminent, really coming soon, within... uh, weeks, months, whatever it may be. But very soon after your report, the British culture minister appeared to pour cold water on this idea that anything was happening soon. Can you walk us through what happened in terms of the talks with Osborne and why it appears that a deal is far from being done? Uh, Indeed, thank you for having me, Nick. Uh, As you mentioned, the story attracted intense media coverage across the globe. And it's true that some news outlets and commentators claimed uh, that the deal was imminent or oven ready or that sort of thing. Uh, In actual fact, that has never been the case, at least not so far. And in my piece in December, I quoted a senior Greek source 
saying that an agreement is 90% complete, but a critical 10% remains unresolved, as they put it. And they added that it's hard to get there. And they also cautioned that we cannot rule out that talks might hit a stalemate at the 11th hour. So an agreement has never been imminent. Actually, the same source stressed back in December that we will see in the coming months if progress is enough to reach an agreement. So we're definitely not there yet. Now, what has been revealed is, as you mentioned, uh, George Osborne, the chair of the British Museum, has been holding secret talks with Kyriakos Mitsotakis, the Greek prime minister, to negotiate the possible return of the Parthenon marbles. The meetings have been taking place in London since November 2021. Also, uh, Osborne also met with uh, Greek state minister Georgos Gerapetritis and Greek foreign minister Nikos Dendias. The latest round of negotiations took place last November between Osborne and Mitsotakis. Now, the two sides have been negotiating the possibility of a long-term cultural partnership, as one source put it to me. This could allow the marvelous reunification in the Acropolis Museum in Athens, while enabling the British Museum to host rotating exhibitions of Greek treasures. Uh, the aim is for both sides to reach a win-win solution. Uh, insiders have told me that these negotiations are at an advanced stage. However, an agreement has yet to be finalised. Okay, Yanis, before we get into the technicalities of any potential arrangements, let's take a step back from recent developments. Um, you know, we, in the introduction to this episode, we've discussed a lot about the history of the campaign by Greece to get the Parthenon marbles back. And it does appear after many years of perhaps very limited uh, progress that there has been a shift in the rhetoric around this subject and the general sentiment in the UK, whether expressed through opinion polls or uh, opinion pieces by commentators regarding Greece being given back the Parthenon marbles. Have you sensed this change in London? And why do you think that this issue, which seemed at a standstill for so many years, is now gaining some traction, some momentum? Yeah, I definitely have. And I must tell you that I've been living and working in the UK for over seven years, during which I have regularly exchanged views with fellow journalists and academics and politicians and members of the so-called Westminster bubble or the British establishment, if you like. So during the first four or five years, uh, the marbles were rarely brought to a discussion. And whenever I tried to do so, I wasn't particularly successful. Uh, but this has changed over the past couple of years. The issue is almost constantly on the agenda. Uh, you can see news reports about it almost on a weekly basis here in the UK. And all opinion polls, as you mentioned, show that the majority of the British people want to see the marbles back to Greece. And we also saw last year the surprising about turn uh, by the Times newspaper, which argued for the marbles to be returned to Greece. So yes, uh, the campaign for the return of the marbles definitely gathers momentum, partly because of the ongoing debate about, about colonialism and righting old wrongs and satisfying demands for the repatriation of other artifacts to their places of origin. 
it's obvious that there are changing attitudes globally on this issue. And we have seen the changing approach by some museums here in the UK on restitution. And finally, I think that uh, the British Museum's current chair, George Osborne, seems to be willing to strike a deal with Greece. This, of course, remains to be seen. Mm, it does indeed. Now, let's get into uh, the technicalities which I mentioned earlier. Sometimes when the story is uh, reported or, or discussed uh, within the public debate in Greece, the impression is generated that the decision to return the marbles is perhaps ultimately a straightforward one. Someone at the British Museum signs a piece of paper and it's done. Uh, of course, the reality is quite different. Can you explain what's needed for a decision to return the marbles? So it is indeed uh, not as simple as someone signing a piece of paper and then we miraculously get our marbles back. It might have been that simple, sadly, back in the early 19th century for Lord Elgin. Uh, and of course, we're not even sure that he did hold such a paper. In reality, he didn't. Uh, he didn't have permission to remove the marbles, but for sure that's not the case now. Uh, there is what I call a game of ping pong uh, that Britain has been playing over uh, many decades. On the one hand, the museum says that uh, because of the British Museum Act, that's a law that was passed in uh, 1963, it is prohibited from disposing of its collection, so it cannot give the marbles back permanently. And on the other hand, the British government says the museum is the owner of the marbles. Don't talk to us, speak to the museum. And while this is technically true, in fact, it is the British government that can introduce the necessary legislation to allow the marbles return to Greece. But it simply doesn't want to do it. And indeed, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Michelle Donnellan, who was Britain's cultural secretary until a couple of weeks ago, uh, ruled out that possibility. Uh, so what the museum can do is give the marbles to Greece on loan. And if hypothetically that loan was indefinite or constantly renewable or open-ended, then yes, it could lead to the marbles permanent return by passing the need for the parliament to take a decision. Uh, now, what's uh, going on is a bit blurry. Last month uh, and this month, we saw several conflicting reports in the British press. Uh, for instance, The Telegraph and Bloomberg reported that a loan agreement is under discussion, which entails the rotating display of a proportion of the marbles in Athens, some of them, not all of them, uh, and that would happen for a limited period of time. So in such a case, only some of the marbles would be in Greece, and a few years later, they'll go back to London for another proportion to arrive in Greece, and so on. That's exactly what Greece has so far been rejecting, not only because of the ownership issue, uh, but also because it has been asking for all the marbles back. Otherwise, there won't be a reunification. And more crucially, it wants them in Athens forever, not just for, say, 10 years. Uh, just to remind you that the loan option has been mooted for decades by the British Museum, it's not a new proposal, nor a concession, and obviously Greece has always been rejecting it. So I don't think the idea of the artifacts going back to London will work. Uh, now, recently, uh, you might have read uh, a piece by the Financial Times, which reported that the possible arrangement will see, again, some of the marbles at any one time in London, and some of them in Athens. 
according to a British Museum insider that spoke to this newspaper, uh, there could be a series of loan deals and the British Museum would agree to send to Athens potentially one-third or more of the marbles for a set period uh, of time, such as 10 years. But the report went on to say that uh, at this point, the Greek Prime Minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, has rejected such a solution. So, so we really don't, don't know uh, if the two sides can agree and uh, what, on what exactly. And whatever it is, Yanis, we're obviously looking at a very complex arrangement. It's not a straightforward issue of taking the marbles and putting them in the uh, Acropolis uh, Museum. There's a lot of strings attached. And just to clarify one point, because people do get hung up on it uh, quite a bit, the issue of ownership. Uh, For many uh, decades, the Greek campaign was just give us back uh, the marbles. And the British Museum kept coming up with ideas of maybe loaning bits and uh, pieces Uh, and this was also always an anathema to the Greek side because they didn't want to accept that the British Museum has ownership of these objects because Greece feels that they were taken illegally but it seems that whatever arrangement we're talking about now whatever is within the realms of the possible and we don't know if it uh, will uh, bear fruit in the end we're essentially bypassing this issue of ownership is that correct? Yeah, that, that, that's correct. And actually, uh, I've been told by both uh, Greek and, and British sources that uh, a solution has been found on, on the ownership issue. Uh, a Greek official recently told me that uh, there are several solutions that could set aside, as they put it, the ownership issue. There are ways to avoid mentioning ownership in a potes- potential agreement on the marbles return. Uh, as, as, as we know, and as you rightly pointed out, the British Museum claims to have legal title to the marbles. Greece, however, maintains that the museum is not the legal owner of the sculptures. Uh, many time, On many occasions, the Greek culture minister, Lina Mendoni, uh, has said that uh, Lord Elgin stole the marbles. Uh, but the solution under consideration is the so-called Palermo model, uh, for those uh, not familiar with the case, it, that was a, a marble fragment of the Parthenon Temple, uh, which was deposited. That was the verb that both sides, Italy and Greece, used. It was deposited to the Acropolis Museum by the Antonino Salinas Archaeological Museum in Palermo. So a similar model could be applied to the return of the marbles currently in London. So both sides would not refer uh, to the ownership. And so, Jens, the way I understand deposit is that it's simply, I was going to say given back, but then that perhaps uh, implies some kind of ownership, but given to the Acropolis Museum and no uh, reference is made to who owns this thing, simply that it's put in the Acropolis Museum and everyone then uh, steps back from it. That's that's correct. Right. So far, the British Museum has been rejecting such option because uh, it has been uh, constantly saying that the Greeks should acknowledge ownership. But uh, it seems we're not we're not hundred percent sure that uh, they have changed their mind on that particularly. Okay. Um, just just to take it in a, a different direction, just for a second, given that you follow ties between the two countries closely, do you sense that the marbles are weighing on Greek? British ties or is the 
relationship uh, alive and kicking, flourishing despite this uh, obstacle, which over the years has has been a bit of a thorn in the sides of both countries. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting question, and I have no straightforward answer mm-hmm. to you. Uh, when Kyriakos Mitsotakis visited his then counterpart Boris Johnson in London, it, in November, it doesn't it doesn't help that the British prime ministers are changing so frequently at the moment. I guess not conducive for building a relationship. That is a very valid point. <laughs> the same goes uh, for the UK culture ministers. I mean, right. uh, we now see the fourth or fifth, I think, in less than two years. Okay. Uh, so, so, but then that, that meeting uh, was held in November 2021, and Mitsotakis raised the marvelous issue, and Johnson more or less dismissed it. On that day, I received a statement from Downing Street, uh, which said that the leaders agreed that this issue in no way affects the strength of the partnership between the UK and Greece. So number 10 has already given you an answer. Uh, That's their version. On the other hand, Mitsotakis has said that this issue is high on the agenda of bilateral relations. And every Greek government minister that visits London always raises the issue with their counterparts. And a few weeks ago, we also published in Tanea uh, opinion pieces of 12 acclaimed British academics, journalists and politicians who have strong ties with Greece. They are what we call Philhellens, Philhellines. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they they send their wishes for the new year to Greece. And notably, most of them said that the reunification of the marbles is one of the highest priorities in Greek-British relations. It is indeed an obstacle, but uh, that doesn't mean, of course, that it stops the two countries from talking to each other and uh, striking deals, such as the strategic bilateral framework that was signed in 2021 between Nikos Dendias and Liz Truss, another former uh, prime minister who back then was the foreign secretary, uh, or, or the defense agreement that was signed a few days ago in Portsmouth, between Greek uh, Defence Minister Nikos Panagiotopoulos and Ben Wallace. And Yanis, to, to wrap it up, and I, I can't let you go without asking this question, as you've um, reported on this issue of the marbles so widely and examined it in great depth and you've dug up documents that no one else has seen before and so on, do you feel that a deal on the marbles can be reached in the let's say, not too distant future, as Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis suggested uh, recently? Well, I'll start by using the words of a Greek official, uh, the words that they used when I asked them the same question, actually. They said the devil is in the details. Now, now, progress has indeed been made. Uh, No one can can doubt that uh, there has, but there are some sticking points uh, that that, uh, still are unresolved. Uh, We talked earlier about the ownership issue, which uh, I've been told, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that it's it's no longer a sticking point, but the most important sticking point is that of duration. Uh, How long the marbles will remain in Greece if returned? Mm -hmm. Greece wants them there forever, uh, seeking a permanent reunification, as we discussed. Uh, but the British Museum and George Osborne has so far been talking about uh, a limited period of time. Uh, so uh, if there is a deal to be done, uh, it is not expected for sure until after the Greek elections later this year. And Mitsotakis himself has already said that 
if the Greek people trust him again, he believes he could achieve this target after the elections. Uh, I'm not fully convinced that a satisfactory deal will emerge, uh, but one can only hope. Yeah, well, you know, we've been waiting uh, for quite a while, so uh, a a few more months or whatever it is here or there, I guess uh, we we can wait a bit uh, longer. But as you've set out so well, it's such a complex issue, so many pieces to this uh, puzzle and so many things that have to come together in order to for, for all sides to be satisfied. It does seem like it's going to be very difficult. Yanis, thanks very much for providing a lot of clarity on what is such a complicated matter. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nick. That was Yanis Andritsopoulos, who is the London correspondent for Tanea, speaking to Nick. So it's clear, Phoebe, that we're not at the end of this story. We might be at the beginning of the end, but uh, I guess only time will tell. Uh, As Yanis highlighted, it's an incredibly complex arrangement to reach. And although there seems to be more willingness to come to an agreement than in years gone by, there's no guarantee that the right formula will be found. And if we're talking about maybe 90% being settled, well, as is often the case, that last 10%, that's going to be really difficult to agree on. But, you know, there there seems to be some goodwill there. So we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. Well, Greece has been calling for their return since 1842, so what's a little more time between friends, right? (laughs) Well, if there was ever an issue on which you want to play the long game or you have to play the long game, then I guess uh, this is it. Let's see if it leads to the appropriate results. I hope at least that in the meantime we've been able to fill in whatever blanks you, our audience, have about this matter. And now it's just the blanks at the Acropolis Museum that have to be oh, filled in. Oh, yes. On that cutting remark, <laughs> we'll bring the latest episode of the Agora <laughs> to a close. Please remember, do subscribe, rate us, and send us your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, we leave you, as always, with our theme song, Straight Line Blues. Some of you have been asking us about this band. They're a wonderful Greek instrumental group called the Burgundy Grapes, and their fourth album just dropped on Inner Ear Records. It's available on vinyl or digital download. Do check them out. They are fantastic. Again, the Burgundy Grapes. 